Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Is the light on? The light's not on. But anyway, good morning. I think I'm on. I think it's live. Of course, we thought so last week and it didn't happen, but we are here this week. Uh, I think all our technical difficulties have been resolved. We're blaming it on the wind. Uh, Is that an act of God? (laughs) Anyway, good morning. It's good to be here with you guys live and for you guys online watching us. A few things we want to remind you of is we do have uh, openings now for the children. So if you'd like to come down and have your kids here, we do have the classrooms open for them. Um, We have a few other things going on that we'll talk about later. Uh, But let's pause and let's pray and get started this morning. Father, we want to lean into your presence and allow your Spirit's work to take place in our lives, and we are here this morning watching or maybe even listening later, but Lord, we do this because you mean something to us and because Jesus has made you known to us more fully. And so our prayer is that that would shape us and that in turn it would shape our community and the people around us. This time is dedicated for your work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Randy. Gosh, to think like Jesus, what does that entail, right? So much, so much change. A few things. Um, congratulations to the Padillas. They had a little grandson, uh, Brandon. I forget the middle name. He was basically the third, I think, Brandon the third. So um, congratulations, Brandon, Lisa, and Brandon Jr., and Judy, great-grandma. Uh, so excited for you guys. We want to keep Eileen in prayer. Many of you saw on the uh, prayer email list that she was in another accident, and yet again, not her fault. But as you recall, she's had back surgery in the past, and so she's banged up a little bit. So pray for her recovery and that the pain would not, uh, you know, be paralyzing in what she's going through, and she'd be able to join us again soon. So keep those things in prayer. Also, we want to remind you that we are here because of your donations and your offerings. And so as you give through the various means, it keeps us able to do the things that we are doing. And, you know, we have more people who are uh, donating and contributing to Genesis than who are actually 
physically coming here. We have more people listening and watching us than actually are coming here. And again, we're grateful for all of you, but we hope to see everyone and be back together very soon. And and so we uh, invite you to come back. Uh, You're welcome to join us here. But again, we are grateful for all of you who are watching and contributing. I know some people aren't in state and can't be here with us and still contribute to us. So thank you guys for, again, that faithfulness. And then a few things happening in this month. On the 8th, we're going to have the Art for Artists. That's happening Tuesday the 8th. And then we have the Philosophy and Critical Thinking on the 15th. And what was it going to be? What's the topic again, Jordan? Responsibility. That's it. It sounds like a serious one here. So anyway, invite you guys to those things in the full circle later on in the month. Um, Also, I wanted to let you know, uh, I did test negative for my COVID test. So my surgery is scheduled for Tuesday. So I'm going to have surgery Tuesday to remove the tumor on my kidney. I'm going to be out for a little while. Randy will be covering for me and you guys are in good hands with all the people who make Genesis go. Um, Appreciate your prayers and I'll let you know how things go when we find out what the tumor is. One way or another, I'll let everyone know. Um, So that's happening as well. Also, the Tithe receipts have been sent out for your uh, tithes. If you've not received it, let us know, and we will uh, get them to you. Uh, If you give us, maybe we had the wrong address, or maybe I don't know what happened, but if you have not received it, please let us know. Otherwise, you should have seen them. They have all gone out in the mail. And so that is that. Okay. Last week, we had some technical difficulties, and we weren't able to be online and I saw, I, I, well, a few things I listened to, and I'll talk about that, the talk last week, but then we actually posted on YouTube, there's no video, there's just me standing like this, like Godzilla. Um, but we had some problems with getting online, and as I go through and I listen to myself, it's always difficult hearing yourself, right? It's like whenever you record yourself, you even sound funny. Um, but there's so many things last week I feel like I failed to communicate. I, I was trying so hard to help everyone understand that I wasn't bringing out something new or heretical that I failed to maybe bring about the connection and the intention of the purpose of what I was doing. And that really is that Jesus, the Christ, is who he is so that we could be who we need to be. He is the example. And living into that, it brings him closer to us, not further away. That was my intention. And so I'll probably touch on a few things uh, again, because I really think that this is important. You know, there's just been a lot going on uh, in my life. And so even these past few weeks, there's a lot of things I, I feel like I've put it in autopilot maybe. And I apologize for that because I, I don't want it to, to be like, here's a Bible study, here's something. Um, we, a few weeks ago, Randy and I sat down and talked, and I just talked with Randy again. We do want to move forward into some new things here at Genesis. And if it hasn't seemed like a lot of new things, it might be because I'm on pause right now, kind of waiting for some things to happen and want to lean into those things further. And all that to to share with you that these things 
are not just here's something. These ideas of the Trinity are are foundational in so many ways to who we are as we call ourselves Christians. And and today I'm going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And this word again, Trinity, gives us a starting point that we build from, but it's pointing us to something bigger. Remember, originally I said that God is not a projection as much as he's a projectile that destroys our images of what we think God is because he is so much more. And when we say God is one, but in three persons, we don't mean persons the way you and I are persons, just like we don't mean he's a father the way we understand fathers. It's just giving us something to hold on to that we can build on. Spiritual things can only be made known through metaphor, right? Metaphor is how we understand spiritual things, but all metaphors have a limp. All of them are are a little bit deficient in what they're trying to present because they're giving a description of something that's bigger, but we need something small to grasp hold of that which is bigger. And if we don't understand that, God will become just a persona. And God is not an object. God is more of a verb than he is a noun. He is more of an action than just a substance. And even these words are only conveying ideas that are limited to who God really is. And so just as you know God, you know him not by studying about him, but we saw in 1 John, you know him by loving one another. By this we know God because we love one another, because God is love, he says. And you can't know the Trinity by trying to informationally understand it, but by standing in the midst of it. That's why we use the terms Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because it's relational at its core. And so now the question is, why Holy Spirit? Do we need the Holy Spirit? And of course we say, oh, yes, we do, but couldn't we just have God and Jesus? Why do we need this third person of the Spirit? And I think it's important to understand that there are no autonomous systems in our universe, right? They are these ecosystems that rely on each other. We exhale carbon monoxide that the trees then take in and produce oxygen. Everything has this kind of cause and effect. There are family ecosystems. I mean, we're connected in so many ways, we can't even fathom it. And I am who I am because of my parents' DNA, because of all the people I've interacted with throughout my life. They have had an effect on me. All these things that have happened to me have affected me to be the person I, I am. A person goes through traumatic things and they have now a PTSD that affects how they act whenever they walk into an Italian deli. Right? It's just that's part of now your makeup because it's a part of the ecosystem. Well, God is not alone and separate from the creation. 
Each time in Genesis where we read it was good, it's telling us that the creation is in some way a reflection of who God is and that God is good. And it's not just this God and creation. It's not just God and Jesus. Dichotomies have within them tension, right? There's right, wrong, black, white, good, bad, Republican, Democrat. And there's this kind of tension in a dichotomy where they're automatically this, where you're either or, and God is not either or. And so when we throw in the third person of who God is, it breaks this idea of God and creation, God and us, God and Jesus, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit now starts to encapsulate a whole lot more. And it's important to understand that so that we don't get blocked in and narrow our view of who God is, that there is this flow of what God is at work. Again, action more than an object at work, but having something that resembles what we see, well, exactly what we see in Jesus. And it's important to have these things. When I do training and I'm teaching people how to get their dog to stop jumping on them, getting their dogs to stop, you know, biting the furniture, getting their dogs to stop doing all these things, you know, I give them all these tools to stop the dog from doing these things that they don't want the dog to do, which is why they call me. But I always stop and I say, you know what? You need to go outside and play with your dog. I had one client, the dog would get real skittish around kids and start growling at kids. And man, this dog was trained. This dog could stay. This dog could go to place. This dog could do all these things. But he just got freaked out around kids. And I said, you know what? When the kids come over, go throw the ball with the dog. And it changed everything. Because now the dog is playing and the dog's not so uptight. It's not like you're this authoritarian. You got to do this. You got to do this. Don't do that dog. Don't do that. The dog's like, what, what, what? You know, freaking out. It's like, hey, go throw the ball with your dog. God is not just either or. He's and. And the Holy Spirit continues to do what Jesus did, but now in the hearts of humanity. When you put that third member in the mix, it changes and it stops the dualistic thinking. God at the core stops this kind of thinking. I want to look at a few passages with you. As we look at what Jesus did and who he is, in John chapter 15, starting at verse 26, Jesus says, when the advocate comes... He's speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he calls him advocate, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Advocate is like a defense attorney, as someone who's defending you. And he comes from the Father, And he's going to testify of me. And then we also are supposed to testify of Jesus. Later on in chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. 
In other words, what is being unfolded? It's not like he's predicting future events. He's going to tell you what is happening and what God is doing. Now, these words sound familiar because they're the same or similar words that Jesus used back in John chapter 14. In verse 10, Jesus says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. So the Spirit isn't going to do the work of himself. Jesus isn't doing his own work. They are all connected. Who's doing this? It's like, who's on first? Jesus. No, he's on second, right? I mean, it's like they are connected and the Spirit is not testifying of himself, but he's saying he's revealed in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is telling us he's revealing the person of God. And so we start to get a picture through what is happening. Remember when Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And there for 40 days and nights, he's fasting. And then the tempter comes and says to him, if you're the son of God, take these stones and turn them to bread. And what does Jesus say? He says, man, and woman, mankind, will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, what Jesus was telling us is that he is doing what we are to do, is to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and that's how Jesus lived. And it's giving us insight to what God is doing as he ministers to Jesus and Jesus acts, we see how we are to act because he's telling us that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, the spirit of God is whispering into our hearts, just like he did in Jesus, the Christ. And we are being asked to do the same, to live as he did. See, that voice that kept us from believing the worst story of ourselves is the truth. That's the spirit, right? Even as Jesus was our, or as Jesus defended those people, the spirit is our defense attorney, Can you think of a story where Jesus defended someone? Any stories come to your guys' mind where Jesus defended somebody? Go ahead, shout them out. The woman caught in adultery, great one. Right, Jesus, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you. Any others? Yes. The kids, of course, grandma would say that. Let the children come to me, right? Do you see what Jesus is doing? What did you say? Zacchaeus, great, right? Short little guy climbed the tree. Today I'm going to eat in your house. No, he's a tax collector. Why is he eating with sinners? Martha? Martha? Oh, Mary. When Martha came to Mary, right, right, and said... She's chosen the better thing, 
right? Do you see how Jesus is defending people? Do you see that that is the job of the Spirit? And now God is defending you and me in a similar manner, helping us to be connected, right? And even as Jesus defended these people, he's defending us still today, that you and I have the same relationship that Jesus had with his Father. How? By that Spirit. In John 17, verse 20, Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of his disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, which is us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Circle that word just. Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And so this idea of unity, where, where is the spirit at work in all these stories? Well, Jesus didn't work on his own. Everything that the father spoke to him, he did. The father speaking to him is speaking to him through the spirit. How are we made one? How is this unity taking place? It is through the spirit. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, His mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who's my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of the father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Let me ask you a question. Where is the spirit in this story? It's a real question you can answer. It's not just rhetorical. There's not a right or wrong answer either. This is how do you feel the Spirit is showing up in this story? Any thoughts? All the way through it. Any things that stand out that feels like, how is the Spirit leading Jesus? What's, what's the Spirit doing in this story through Jesus' words? He's inviting others, right? It's like, oh, you thought that this was my family? I'm saying this is my family. Right? It's very inclusive now. He's opening a door and allowing a whole lot more people to come in. What about this one in Matthew chapter 9? Again, be listening. How do you see the Spirit at work through the things Jesus is saying and doing? Matthew 9, verse 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with them and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call righteous, but sinners. 
What is the Spirit doing through Jesus' actions and words? Moving Matthew's heart. Moving Matthew's heart. To follow him, him, right? Opening that invitation, that relationship. Any other thoughts? Yeah, putting people who were at the bottom now in a premier position. abandon one, mm-hmm. you go after that one that needs to be saved. Okay, so here, yeah, not abandoning those. He's not come to to help the righteous, but those who are lost. In that. He, had 90, he had 100 sheep, one of them straight away, that's the one you go. Yeah, reaching after the lost, definitely. Right. And so you see there's something behind what's happening. We see Jesus' actions, we see his words, and it's representing what God is wanting to do through the Spirit. They're one. One more, in Matthew 26, verse 47, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, went from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Anything stand out to you in this? Called him friend. The Spirit works in different ways and in different circumstances. This one might not seem as clear or as obvious as some of the other stories we see, but Jesus' response is still that being generated by the Spirit. He's doing what God has moved him to do. He's not retaliating. He calls him friend. He is trusting. Right In 1 Peter 2, it says, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly, which is God. See, all these areas, it is the Spirit of God moving through the person that helps us to see how God moves through us. Man shall not live by bread alone. We aren't acting as just God. He wasn't acting as the Son of God. He was acting as man in all these areas, how we are supposed to act. And so we look at these stories of Jesus, and they help us understand how the Spirit works through humanity, through us. We are all in the bad and the good of this together. There is the healings, and there is the betrayals. A Trinitarian view collects and gathers together. This is one of the reasons that the whole personal relationship with God can be so damaging is it disconnects us from one another. And by doing that, it also disconnects us from God. Oh, me, and my, me and God have our own thing going. It's just a personal relationship with God. Well, everything is a part of this ecosystem. There is no just personal relationship with God. It's like the alcoholic father who says, I'm not hurting anybody. And he's hurting everybody, right? And so the whole idea here is we are connected and God is 
trying to bring all things together, even as we see Jesus doing, that we might be one, even as he and his Father are one. A Trinitarian notion of God removes the autonomy of this is just between me and God. It wasn't just Jesus and God. We see in all these stories, there is a connection to who Jesus is with the people around him. The spirit of God is not just, well, this idea of God isn't just the old man in the sky who hands out judgment and tells us what to do with power, pulling strings like some puppeteer but it's pouring himself out and being poured into. As Jesus gave, he would go to the mountain and pray and receive. This pouring out, pouring into, this giving, receiving, blessing, being blessed. Think about it, how many times, especially through the Psalms, bless the Lord, O my soul. I will bless your name at all times. How do you bless God? Bless is to give something. Do you have something that God needs? Apparently. See, it changes the dynamic when you start seeing it in this active relational way. It's not just, oh, God's big. You can't do anything for God. You have nothing. Well, then why do I bless the Lord? How can I bless the Lord? Why am I asked to bless the Lord? Why am I to be one as he and Jesus are one? What's going on here? There's something dynamic happening. How do you bless unless blessing is able to be received? See, God is the ultimate participant in life with the good and the tragic. It happens when he is telling Mary, she's chosen the better thing. When he's asking Zacchaeus to come down, I'm going to eat at your house. And it happens at the garden when he is being taken to the cross. God is a participant in life, not distant from life. In Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, he as you may know, is telling the story of his experience in a Nazi death camp and trying to find meaning and seeing how it affected people who were living in just the most horrendous circumstances. And there's so many stories. If you haven't read the book, you really need to. It's incredible. There's one story where he describes the account of a young boy who was sentenced to death by hanging. But because the boy is so light, it takes him over a half hour to suffocate and they have to watch it. And one of the people behind him who was struggling with the whole thing, he asked the question out loud, where is God? And Victor says, I heard a voice within me answer him. Here he is. He is hanging here on the gallows. When I read that, I had to stop. And I just wept. Because the idea of God being so participatory in life to that degree overwhelmed me, but it so reminded me of the cross. 
Some of you need to hear it this morning. God is not on the other side of the hardship waiting for you to make it through. God is with you in the hardship as you go through it, as you would go through it. He goes through it with you. Like a parent goes through it with their child. But even more, that's just a metaphor and it's closer still. Where is God? Here he is. I believe this is the meaning of the cross. The son received the love of the father and made that love known in the material world. This making it known, handing it to others is the Holy Spirit. When we say that the Holy Spirit is an advocate, a a defending attorney, a defense attorney, we don't mean he's someone on the sideline in a suit appealing to the judge. We mean someone in the game moving the ball forward on our behalf. He is protecting the quarterback so he is not taken out and moving the work of God forward in that defense of all of us, of all humanity. And again, this is something that takes place on a more than a global way. It takes place in a universal way, but all I know is what I see and what I can experience. You know, about 150 years ago, there arose a majority of people who said slavery is wrong and we want to see an end to it. Ending something that was had a stronghold on our economy, on the economies of the world. How does that happen to so many people at a certain time? It is the defender moving the ball forward in what we understand the character of God. Do you see how all these old ideas of Trinity, well, Trinity is like an apple. There's the core, there's the center, you know, and then there's the peel. It's like that's static, it's not dynamic. That, that, that does nothing for me. Explaining God as a trinity in, well, he's water and he's, you know, ice and he's vapor. So what? I don't care. That does nothing to me. But moving humanity forward, moving my heart from where it is to where it needs to be. That means something. I need that. We need that. Humanity needs that. And that is what Jesus is doing by the Spirit. Holy Spirit is moving this forward into complexity and into connection. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. The movement of the spirit was making that a reality when they said, we don't want slavery anymore. Why? Because this is in contrast to who God is. And God is moving the ball forward. And that's why we as followers of Christ are referred to as a body. Because we are mysteriously connected 
And the Holy Spirit is the blood flowing through that body and giving us life. I don't expect you to understand how this all works, but I hope you will join with me in leaning into the mystery. Remember, mystery isn't something that can't be understood. Mystery is that which is endlessly understood. Let's pray. Father, may the blood of this community move forward by your spirit. May we look like Jesus, the Christ, who heard from his father and as a man loved and poured himself out to others. Lord, may we learn to give and may we learn to receive. May we understand that we are a part of an ecosystem that is called the body of Christ, that is a part of the creation that you have that is connected to more and more than we understand. And may we lean into this with our lives and allow it to shape us. May we understand that both in the good and the tragic that you are very near and at work. May we be shaped by that work and may it overflow from our lives to those around us. And God, I pray for those who are struggling right now, who are hurt, who are paralyzed because of illness, because of a pandemic, because of depression, and so many things. Father, may there be a spirit of comfort to them through these words and through the people who hear these words, who interact in their life and represent you to them in their hurt, not answering all the questions, but by loving as you love, by hurting as you hurt, and caring the way you care. May your spirit flow through us into the work you're doing in our community. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you guys who are here to stay after we end the video and talk a little bit more about this. For those of you who are watching, we hope you guys can join us here sometime soon. And may the words of Jesus penetrate your heart that you do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And like Jesus, may you hear the voice of your Father and do what he says in the Spirit. God bless you guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.